Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name's David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis, and Tom Terrace. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, David. Awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to John chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you want to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to see what God wants to teach us today and how we're to live our lives and share His love with a world that's absolutely in need of it? Uh, I would love to. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Father. Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. You are awesome. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for uh, for your goodness, for your patience. Thank you, Lord, for your patience. Thank you for the beautiful sunshine. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the clouds and the sky. Thank you for the trees that are blooming, the grass and the flowers. Just your 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 goodness is just and your beauty is just all around us now, especially this time of year. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of your word, the gift of your love letter to us. Please help us as we break open the word that uh, that we are in a position of, of docility, that we're, that we're able to be molded and taught what you want to teach us, Lord. Um, and we just invite, please, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into our hearts, come into our minds, to renew us, uh, to teach us. And if we could pray together, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. And in kindle in us the fire of your love. love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created. And you, you shall, shall renew the face of the earth. earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of thy faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, Father, Son, Son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. And Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Yes, Dave. This is a reading from the Gospel of John. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, Jesus prayed, saying, Holy Father, keep them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are one. When I was with them, I protected them in your name that you gave me, and I guarded them, and none of them was lost except for the son of destruction in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. I speak this in them because they do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. Consecrate them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. I consecrate myself for them, so that they also may be consecrated in truth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. Tom, as you're reading that, I just uh, have fond memories when I I hear the word consecrate or consecration. Consecrate, it just... uh, 
uh, how that that whole concept was brought into my life. And this past week, we celebrated the feast of of Our Lady of Fatima, and part of the Fatima message is the whole idea of of making that total consecration to Jesus through Mary, and, and I've heard other people say to Jesus through Mary with each other. That you know we're we're called to to do this uh, together, and and not be alone. And um, and when I was going through this, one of the explanations of the whole idea of consecration that that helped me out the most was um, someone said, "Imagine if if a person went into the back of." Of church into the sacristy where the priest was getting ready and and they said well can i borrow that that chalice there and they they grabbed it and put milk in there and can i borrow that patent put cookies and had their milk and cookies you know could you imagine someone doing that those vessels are holy they're set apart only for the, the body and blood of jesus and he said rob that's what you are you are set apart you are you know you are gods god made you he made you for a purpose and you are set apart he wants and he has set you apart now it's up to you to make that full decision on your own to set yourself apart for him, for his work, for his, to, for, for building his kingdom. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, like, like you wouldn't try to iron a, a shirt with a, you know, with a, with a chair, right? So why do we do that to ourselves that we, we go and, and, and participate in all this stuff that we're not made for, you know, we're set apart we're set apart for, for, for greatness. You know, I love that word consecration because total consecration is something I did probably about, my goodness, five, six years ago now, Louis de Montfort, and now Father Gately has 33 Days in the Morning Glory. But each year I grow closer to that understanding of that beautiful, beautiful thing. It says right here that Jesus consecrated himself for us. So he gave himself totally body, blood, soul, and divinity to us in the Eucharist, but totally gave himself to us in reparation payment for our sins. So for me, God chose to give himself to the world in and through Mary. He chose it. He didn't just blink Jesus into the world. He chose to include Mary in his plan for salvation. We, when we totally consecrate ourselves to Jesus through Mary, Louis de Montfort, 33 days to morning glory, these different ways, uh, Maximilian Colby, it's beautiful. It is, some of the saints say, it's the quickest and easiest ways to go to heaven is through this journey of total consecration. And so for me, every day, I renew that vow, giving myself totally, consecrating myself fully through Mary to Jesus. I give him my works, my sufferings, my joys, my prayers, my total life as a living sacrifice united with his. And guess what I do it for? For works, for his works that he wants to perform in me, through me, and with me. Those works of love, which are the outpouring and outgrowth of our faith, our yes to the Lord. So this total consecration gave me such peace as I came to understand, you know what? God showed us the plan. He chose to do it. He entrusted himself fully to Mary as his mother, his source for his, for his body, his blood, his milk, his nourishment, his care. So for us, we look at that as Catholics, it's so beautiful in our understanding of this biblical truth is to consecrate ourselves to Jesus through Mary and trusting everything to Mary, knowing that Mary, her role in heaven is to take us to Jesus takes to our son. So I love the word and this consecrated, the word you use, Rob, just, just really rang out as you shared that beautiful it, truth. Yeah. And as you're talking about the consecration too, I did that St. Louis de Montfort maybe 15 years ago, something like that. And I feel like 
the couple of words that jump out here are guarded and how they don't belong to the world. And I also had the image of like Mary being a mother and guarding me these past 15 years as a little kid. And she's holding my hand and I'm in a store saying, I want that. I want that. I really like that. And it's just all bad stuff, you know, and she's just there allowing me to look at it. But still guarding me like you don't want that and then let's move along to over here you know because the world is so there's so many beautiful good things in the world and it's like almost as if jesus is saying the world is bad but it isn't it's just there's certain things that we need to avoid and i think the blessed mother is like shrouding me or shrouding us when we make that consecration to avoid those bad things of the world you know and that's an important lesson that we should need to learn there God created everything. He created the world, the fishes, the seas, and it was good. But the key here is to understand that it is all gift. We own nothing. We possess nothing. It is a gift for us to come and to realize that in and through that gift, we experience God's beauty in creation. We experience God's love through another. But but to own it, to possess it, to be you know, uh, caught up by the world? No, 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 that's not it. We're to live in the world, but not be of the world. Don't be controlled by it. Don't be pulled by the passions of the world. Don't get attached to it because our end goal, as Jesus said, lifting up his eyes to heaven, our end goal is an eternity in heaven with God fully united with Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. It says here, you know, keep them in your name that you gave me, that name, Jesus Christ. Okay, so for us, keep our eyes focused on the end goal. Do like Jesus did, surrender our will to God's will and unite it so that we're here. Our purpose in life is to do God's will, to share his love through our yes, to do works of mercy and things of those nature where God is prompting us to help another, to be that light to a very dark world right now. And, you know, picking up on the, the word consecrate, I mean, there's so much depth to that. But in particular, the conse- the um, translation here is consecrate them in the truth. And I think it's, it's you know, it it's different to say consecrate them in the truth than consecrate them for the truth or by the truth. Or it says it's something to be immersed in. It's something to be set aside. So consecrate means to set aside for a holy purpose in the truth, to be kind of immersed in the truth. And then a little bit further down in the passage, Jesus says, I consecrate myself for them. So I set myself apart. And this is at the Last Supper that he's, you know, that he's um, saying these words. So he's getting ready to set himself apart for them, for us, so that they also may be consecrated in truth. So in the truth that he's that he's consecrating, he's setting himself apart for is his passion and his death and eventually his resurrection. But particularly those two pieces, because those are the pieces that we have to emulate in our life. And the truth is that what Jesus said is that greater love has no man than he laid down his life for his for his friends. And that's the truth that he's that he's living out. And that's the truth that he's setting himself apart for and that he's asking them to immerse themselves in to set themselves apart for that he can also you know be in them and they can be in him there's a great freedom with that tom because Mm -hmm. it says right here consecrate them in the truth and then it goes on to say 
Your word is truth. We know that God gave us his love letter, the Bible, sacred scripture. It is the truth. If you want to know is contraception good or bad, go to the truth. Learn from God. Absolutely not. Look at Holy Mother Church. What do they teach? Absolutely not. When you shut your bedroom door, if you choose to contracept or not, if you choose to contracept, you're choosing to be God because all children are a gift from God. So this consecrate them in the truth. Your word is truth. That word helps us and guides us as how to be a father, the best father, husband, business leader. You know, how do we, how are we in the church? How are we with our children? It's awesome. So we need to continually bathe ourselves in the word of God, know it in our hearts, live it in our lives. And it's freedom. It's freedom because I don't have to decide what's good, what's bad, what's truth, what's not. Truth is a person. The person is Jesus Christ, his life's example. And thank you, Lord, the word that he left us in sacred scripture, the Bible. And I think it's just, it, it, we spoke about this before, it, it's an exchange of, of, of O's, you know, exchange my opinion for obedience. That's it. And, it's, and like you said, David, it is so freeing. Like when people say, well, what's your opinion on? Boom. And if it's a, if it's a subject of faith and morals, it's very you know, easy just to say, you know, I, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm obedient to. I'm going to tell you what the church, Catholic Church teaches, and that's what I, what I follow in my life. If you want my opinion on stained glass windows or, uh, you know, or, or, you know, vestments or whatever that, you know, I like a certain style, I'll give you my opinion on that. But if it's an area of faith and morals and I call myself a Roman Catholic, I have to give you what the church teaches and, and what I obey. And that's, that's, that's what the church teaches. And that's not a restriction, Rob. That's a freedom. freedom. Holy Mother Church, 2,000 years of history. Oh, the saints, it's beautiful. It has the fullness of the depository of faith. And that's freedom. I love that the way you distinguished opinion, because you're right. I can decide stained glass. I like it this way. I like it that way. And obedience. When it's faith and morals, excuse me, I'm not God, nor am I his vicar, nor am I his Holy Mother Church. So thank you, Lord, for the gift we as Roman Catholics have. Turn to Holy Mother Church. Turn to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's all right there. And it's like, whoa, there it is. I see it. Here's what the saints, what they taught. It's it. It's beauty. And the, the Holy Mother Church doesn't change in its standards of its faith and morals. It doesn't. It is the pillar, you know, and the bulwark of truth. That's what the Bible says, the bulwark of truth is the church. And the reason why Jesus gave us this is so we would have miserable lives, right? No. no. The reason right in the middle of this is I speak this in the world so that they may share my joy completely. Again, let me say this, so they so that they may share my joy, 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 joy down in my heart, right? Completely. That's why, right? It's yes. not for restriction. It's not for our misery. It's not to keep us down. It's not for complete joy, complete joy. And elsewhere it says, so that they may have life and have it in abundance. The abundant life, that's living a life of freedom in obedience to Holy Mother Church, who is obedient to the Word of God, that one water word, that one utterance, which is truth, which is Christ, the Word made flesh. And I think one thing that... Um, 
that I've experienced in my life, and I've talked to other Catholics um, who have experienced it, but I think a lot of a lot of us miss it. A lot of us Catholics sometimes miss the fact that, you know, we've all had experiences where we had difference of opinion with the teaching of the church, and then we've lived ourselves into. Like, I, I don't know anybody that really, really enjoys going to confession. And I don't know anybody who, who became, you know, a regular confessor who who says, oh, I just from the first time I ever went to confession, I just loved it. No, nobody loves to go in and admit that they're wrong. But we but when we participate in it, eventually we come to realize that there's a value to this. And beyond that, not only can we participate in it and can we find value in it, but we can start to look forward to it because of the joy of forgiveness. And that that's the thing that we start to focus on, not the penance, not the pain, not the fact that I have to go in and go to confession again. And then, you know, that and then I you know, it's funny you brought up contraception, David, because for an early part of my life, when I even when I was teaching, I personally thought contraception was OK, didn't practice it. But when I was teaching at teaching the Catholic faith, I taught that contraception was was wrong. And I taught the teaching of the church. But in my heart, I didn't really believe that. I thought we should be able to make our own decisions. Well, eventually it occurred to me that that didn't make any sense. I got a hold of a book on sexual ethics in the Catholic Church, and I read the rationale for it. And it's like, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that happened. And then another thing happened. And another thing happened. And after a while, you say, you know what? There's still some things in the church that the Catholic Church teaches that I don't fully understand but because they, the church has been right every, you know, the last five times, and I've just been able to discover it, I think I'm going to go with this thing, too. You know, I think I'm going to trust the church on this thing. But we also have the obligation to make those efforts to find out why is contraception wrong? Why is abortion wrong? Why is same-sex uh, marriage not uh, an, an, a possible thing? You know, why is it not something we're going to accept in the church? And and to understand that there are so many of those things that it does create a freedom, but part of the freedom is trusting the church that, okay, there's a lot of sense to this, and I figured a lot of it out, but here's some things over here that I just don't get, but I believe them anyway. You know, that's the, that's the thing. We don't have to have everything completely figured out in our own heads before we can go ahead and have that faith, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I want to comment on something you shared that—, that at first I went, huh, and that's about confession. When I, I used to hate to go. In fact, I had such a fear of going, I didn't go for 33 years. But when I finally went, I was set free and raised from the spiritual dead and was a new creation in Christ. Now there's a great ache within my heart to restore the union with God and get back into communion, common union with God because of my choice to sin. We are all sinners. We fall. Guess what? A righteous man, according to the Bible, falls seven times a day. How often do we need to go to confession? Well, John Paul II, Mother Teresa, I think Pope Francis, many others, Go every week. Why? Because the enemy wants to take them out. And as soon as he gets a portal of his poison plugged into you, he starts anesthetizing you from the need to go to confession. Because you think, well, you know what? There really wasn't a mortal sin. Well, you know what? Church really maybe once a year. Excuse me. You want freedom? I go every two to three weeks. If I go three weeks, I'm feeling dirty. 
and there's a great ache in my heart, a great desire to get right with God the Father. And when I come out of that confessional with a true heart of contrition, I'm filled with a peace and a joy that money can't buy. When I go to that confession to go make the confession, there's an ache in my heart, not a fear, not anxiety, because for me, even when I think I didn't have any mortal sins or any sins to confess, when I invite the Holy Spirit into my heart to shine the light on them, I'm like, wow, I didn't see that. I judged this person. I gossiped. Well, I just told truth. No, no, you gossiped. I did this. I did. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I didn't even realize the sins that I'd committed. So it's such a great freedom when you go and you ask the Holy Spirit to shine a light on it. Then you confess them. Then going from a great ache to write that union to this joy and peace that money can't buy it. And people pay a fortune to go to psychiatrists, psychologists. Stop. Go and get right with God in the fabulous, fabulous sacrament of confession, reconciliation, and get right. And then go back every week if you want, every two weeks, every three weeks, with a heart of heart of contrition, a contrite heart, and that great ache to restore the union with God the Father. And that's that growth that I was taught, that learning to come to a peace with it, and then it actually being a joy. And once we experience that over and over again, then we then we realize this isn't really something I need to fear. It reminds me of a passage. I think I've brought this up before, but there used to be the standard homily back in the in the pre-Vatican II days that was used for marriage, and it says that you know, it's a great thing that you're basing your your relationship, your you know your marriage going forward on sacrifice. And then it says, um, only love can make it easy, and perfect love can make it a joy. And I never forgot that. Of all the masses I served back in those days, in the old Latin days, mm-hmm. but always remember that because sacrifice is often difficult and irksome. That was the phrase that was used. Sacrifice is often difficult and irksome. Only love can make it easy and perfect love can make it a joy. And I think that's what we experience when we go to confession, when we come to under, an understanding of the truth of the church. So we wrestle with it. It's difficult. I don't really agree with it. I don't like it. I have to give up my opinion. But eventually it becomes a joy becomes easy, and then it becomes a joy. Yeah. It's interesting. We had a Gospel Reflection group this morning, and our Gospel Reflection group is open to all members of the body of Christ, and all baptized Christians, Trinitarian, doesn't matter, Amish, Mennonite, Presbyterian, doesn't matter. They're all members of the same body of Christ. So we have three Amish men that come to our group typically every week, and the one Amish man was sharing how there's people that come to them for help because they have a healing ministry, and they'll come and they're like, oh, me and Jesus, Jesus and me, me and Jesus, and they're all, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then when they stop, they're filled with bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. They have zero joy in them. And he's like, stop. You've got Jesus in your head, but not in your heart. we got to pull out the portals of those poison, bitterness, unforgiveness, everything to get you healthy. And it was fascinating because my, my daughter, who's uh, 13 years old, came with me to the group, and she's she's visually impaired. She's blind. And after the meeting, we were leaving, and, and we're driving her to, I was driving her to school, and she said, Daddy, she said, you said that we give Satan power. How do we do that? I said, well, we give Satan power because he has truly no power. God is the power that is within us. But we give him power when we fall prey to his tools. His tools are unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, jealousy, pride. And I went on the whole list. I said, that's how we fall prey to the enemy and we empower him to 
wound us, wound others through us. So it's so important to not fall prey to that. When we have unforgiveness, we immediately need to ask God for help to confess the sin, receive the grace, forgive ourselves, and then pray for that person who has hurt us. Pray for that person we consider our enemy. Why? Because then we're giving the greatest gift we can give to that person who we view as our enemy or who hurt us, that gift of God's love, because we're praying for them, and it sets us free. So I said, we must be very careful to never fall prey to the tools of the enemy, because that's how we empower him to hurt us. And... Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love will cast out anger. Love will cast out a whole bunch of things. And and to do what we're talking about, uh, if we think we can do it without a prayer life, we're crazy. What's the first the first line in this gospel? Lifting up his eyes to heaven, Jesus prayed. That's it. Jesus prayed, <laughs> right? Jesus prayed. And there are days that I go by and just kind of you know check my check check off the box and get my prayers in, as opposed to trying to be truly immersed. In prayer, and I know uh, earlier, Dave, you had, um, before we came on air, you, you said you've been really drawn lately to the, the prayer of love. Yes. And uh, love is going to conquer all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. It is the answer. And Rob, I'm just going to pray this prayer slowly and just everybody just take in every piece. And wherever the Holy Spirit convicts you, where you're not one of these, because I want you to, as I'm praying love, insert your name. And if you're not patient you're not kind, you're envious, you boast, you know, you're not humble. You know what? Those are opportunities to grow. So, Lord, we surrender our hearts and invite the Holy Spirit into them to shine the light on where we've fallen short of your perfect love and being those vessels of your Son. So, Lord, please grow me in your truths of love. Grant me the grace to live them out each day of my life. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Love rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Faith, hope, and love always remain, the greatest of which is love. Amen. May God bless in each and every one of you as you see where you need to get that relationship with God right so you can be those pure vessels of His love. God bless. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization 
and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.